Just kidding. Hey there, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Undead Airlock, a weekly podcast dedicated to spreading the good, good gospel of horror in all of its many forms to as many people as possible. I am, as always, your faithful host, Hannah Selector, and I'm back from a little unplanned vacation last week. Uh, Believe it or not, it wasn't because of Thanksgiving. It was really more of a culmination of the continued curse of the exorcist wherein i smashed up the front of my car if you're at all interested in the the pictures of that or a bit of the details about how that happened you can head on over and check out my twitter um still driving the car though still moves so that's good news hopefully our show for this week is going to make up for that little unplanned absence i was able to sit down and talk to uh, a very special guest this week Tony Burgess, who is a Canadian novelist and screenwriter, uh, he is perhaps best known for his 1998 novel Pontypool Changes Everything and the screenplay for the film adaptation of that same novel, simply called Pontypool. In addition to being a truly chilling and very talented horror author, Tony was just an all-around delight to talk to and actually reached out to me shortly after the weak-kneed and starry-eyed production of my very first episode to say that he would uh, be willing to grant me an audience and talk with me, and I am so grateful that he did. So, without further ado, everyone, Tony Burgess. Well, hi yeah, yeah, yeah. there! All right. Hi, how are you? I'm great, how are you? I'm alright. Technology. Ah, that's beautiful. <laughs> how are you? I'm doing well, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. What you drinking? Uh, it's a local beer. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, local Pilsner. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Um, yeah. So how's the weather in Toronto right now? I'm not in Toronto. I'm about two hours north of Toronto. Okay. And uh, right up here, I'm in the, like, the bottom of Georgian Bay, which is uh, one of the Great Lakes. Yeah. Uh, it's a little tiny little town called Stainer. And we're in the snow belt. So we've had like a foot of snow for forever. Oh my gosh, I'm so jealous. And we get like we get like six or seven feet of snow that stays from 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 December to to April. That's awesome. Or May. I know a lot of people don't think that, but like in North Carolina we don't get any snow for Oh we get you know we get well we're in like we're in like the snow we get snowstorms every day. Yeah. But not in Toronto, but up, up where we are, yeah. Yeah. So I have some family in Toronto. But um, I'm not like super familiar with the city or everything or anything. But I was up there for Boxing Day like three years ago, and we went to the mall in the city, and it was crazy. Yeah. And it's yeah. Black Friday today in the U.S., so it's like the equivalent. Yeah, well, it's Black here. It's Black Friday here too. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're yeah, we do a lot of the same things. Neat. As you all do. <laughs> I figured, except yeah, all yeah. the terrible elections and all that good stuff. No, no, we got we 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 elected a, a drama teacher. Yeah, well, I remember the who was the nut in um, the nutty politician who talked about like doing crack and doing stuff to his wife. I can't Rob. Oh, that was Rob Ford. Rob yeah, Ford. He, he was like he my was hero. He was the mayor of Toronto. Yeah, he yeah. was great. I mean, he was great. He was great, and he was entertaining and everything. But he was tragic, and he yeah. was kind of awful. And and he was he was you know, he did a lot of brutal things. You know that 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 ultimately left a really bad taste in everybody's mouth. And yeah, yeah, he was pretty fun to read about. He died though, eh? What? Yeah, he died. He had uh, uh, he was died like about a year after he, he came out of office. He was diagnosed with like a, a, a baseball-sized uh, cancerous tumor in his gut fat. Oh my god! Ooh. And uh, he died about a year later. That's crazy. Yeah, what a and life. so you know it's funny because now nobody can really talk about him because the people who want to riff on how shitty he was can't do it anymore. I mean, it's like. You know, and the people who want to uh, embrace him, well, they're really just they're sort of tragic. And yeah, anyway, I guess you yeah. can't pick on the dead guys. That's not. That's doesn't not good. get talked about much anymore. No. Yeah. Well. Yeah. But he was 
he was typical of the breed, right? He was an extreme homophobe. Mm-hmm. He was, you know, he was just hostile to uh, or exploitive of non-whites. And anyway, he was an awful guy. Yeah, well, now we've got Trump, so. Yeah, so you're good, yeah. Ugh, the opposite of good, but whatever. Yeah. You know, I read enough zombie stuff that I think when the apocalypse does inevitably come, I might be okay-ish, you know? Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> or I'll just expatriate and, you know, come live in Toronto, whatever works. Yeah. I'm going to move over here and I'm just, like, relax. I got my dog with me on the couch. So <gasps> just. What kind of dog? Uh, she's a cross between a husky and a uh, Australian cattle dog. Ooh, pretty. Good for that cold yeah. weather, too. Well, you know the uh, dog in uh, Road Warrior? Yeah. She That's like an Australian cattle dog. So she's, you know, she's got that kind of cool DNA. Fun. Yeah. I miss having a dog. Well, so, I did some prep work. I read your Wikipedia page. You've had, like, a oh. really interesting life. Uh, I'm a little yeah. jealous. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think my kids' friends read that and, like, harass them about it. Oh, no. How old are your well, kids? Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> you don't have to tell me that, of course. I'm just curious. I was a high school teacher. So Sorry? How old are your kids? Uh, 14 and 11. Ooh, lucky you. Those are the good years. I had them a bit later, right? Because I'm not like a young dad. Yeah. I'm actually, uh, <laughs> uh, so, uh, so, but if I had them earlier, I would have eaten them or like made them, de- sold them. On, you know, something. You're wiser and calmer now, you know? They're safer anyway. Well, that's good. So yeah. I'm guessing they haven't read any of your stuff. No, I, I'm not, I'm not guarded about that. They oh, can, good. I think. I gave them Idaho Winter, okay. which was which was supposed to be, or I thought it was, a young adult novel. Yeah. And apparently, uh, it's not. Okay. And the publisher pushed back on that and said it's not a young adult novel. And I said, well, of course it is. And I actually, I, I in a fit, I threatened to pull it and like burn it or something. Oh. Like, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so Power but the guy, yeah, 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 something. I don't know. <laughs> it was a I'm bad. on board. I yeah. think that's great. Well, cool. That's great that they've read it. I don't let my family read anything I write yet. I haven't made it to that point. <laughs> no, I don't let them. I, I I allow them to. I don't I don't hand it to them. Okay. But and, and the films are a different story, right? Like uh, right. um they saw Ejecta. Actually yeah. they're in them. What? They're in it too? Because yeah. I saw that you were. Now I'm gonna have to watch it again. In what? Ejecta. Are they... Oh no, they're not. They're not an ejected. Oh, okay, okay. They're in Hellmouth, oh. and uh, 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 executioners. Nice, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Man, I gotta tell my parents to be more exciting. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, I'm a complete embarrassment. I am like whenever they bring their friends over, which they don't because of me. Uh, I am. I am like sequestered into a corner somewhere and i'm told not to sing not to move not to talk oh harsh well i'm sure when they're older they'll be like hot damn this is cool yeah. let's bring dad out for a song yeah you know. yeah you've been a little bit of everything like an artist a photographer musician writer just lots and lots of stuff um do you still do music and things like that i know you had said something about fam jam yeah. last week yeah yeah we do uh yeah we do uh have a band we we uh we play around uh, quite a bit we just put out our second uh album and we've got a third one ready to go and uh it's one of those things that i used to do when i was younger mm-hmm. was in a bands and uh uh I sort of got into a situation that I, i'm an opportunist and when when things sort of show up and i'm like wow you know i can do that now uh, i do it and uh, a friend of mine just down the street from me, uh, who's a musician and a very good one, uh, him and I sort of clicked. Just uh, we liked whiskey together, and we liked to just sort of hanging out by barbecues, and we liked the same kind of art. Mm-hmm. And he was a musician, so we just started playing together, and realized you know we could actually sort of generate something, and then we just started to do that. Right. And now you know we we play in Toronto all the time, and 
we uh, you know we we, uh, we experiment with them. It's a lot of you know it's a lot of fun, but uh, yeah, I, that kind of I'm, I've been a dilettante in pretty much everything I've done since I was like 13, which doesn't limit me in in my field. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> a dilettante in any field, <laughs> including writing. Yeah, well that's awesome. Do you ever get recognized at shows? Like, are you that Tony Burgess, or is it? I no, feel like well, authors enjoy kind of a degree of anonymity that is kind of nice. I, I think so, because like somebody, uh, somebody once said to me, or a friend of uh, my friends here, said, oh, well, of course, man, of course you get gigs and stuff, because you look like you got a guy, it's because of Tony. Mm-hmm. And I, my argument is, oh, yeah, because a glam punk band fronted by a 58-year-old writer is a huge recommend to just about anybody, right? Well, not really. Not really. <laughs> it's like, it's a liability, if anything. Well, and so you know, and so that that you know. So, but anyway, we we play shows. We get called back to do them. People seem to like us. So you know, and it's just like it's about uh, uh, just uh, you know loving it and doing it. Well, next time I'm in Toronto, I might have to try and see if you're playing anything. Of course, I don't get up there that often, but yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Come up. I'll send you, uh, uh, after this, send me your uh, address or whatever. I'll send you some of the, the discs. Oh, and yeah, stuff. absolutely. Yeah. So I'm going to get it out of the way, like, really early in the interview. Yeah. How much I loved Pontypool Changes Everything, and then the movie came out when I was in college, and I was like, ah! Anyway, just so Thanks. you know, I'm going to get the squealing out of the way early, and then move on yeah, to yeah. being a professional. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, no, no, no! I did no more amateur, less professional. It's oh, good. Well, you know, I'm just a normal person doing a podcast <laughs> yeah. in my spare time. That so am I right now. <laughs> well, we'll do. Yeah. you know, we'll hang out together. It'll be great. So great, great. I know that you can't like pick a favorite child, but do you have a favorite novel that you've written, or um, one that you no uh, can't pick favorite really, kids? You know what? I kind of really like End Body Problem. Was so jazzed when I read that premise because I don't know. I guess it's something I think about because weirdly at my family gatherings, zombies are a huge dinner table conversation. Like what we would do, how it would come about, but then like what's the aftermath? And that was insane to read about. In- well, it was. It was like it was it, from the beginning. It was about not about uh, facing. It was about so it's a zombie genre, right. but it's a out of it was about turning away from it from it yeah. and looking at something completely outside of what is is expected or how you would you would you would you would confront it or directly mm-hmm. understand it. it's a whole bunch of other ancillary problems and tangential stories Absolutely. right which is something i really enjoy right and then and uh, and then it becomes this you know just kind of balloons in this other direction that's out of control and so it was about being out of control, and the writing was out of control, and so are the lives that you're following, and so is the sort of destination of the story, which is unknowable. And uh, yeah, you've yeah. got a real knack in your writing for making me feel like I understand nothing about what's going on. Like, okay, I'm rolling along, and then suddenly, like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I know nothing. I feel everything, but I know nothing. And well, I have, I have a kind of, uh, I've always felt like the things that I I uh, uh, like the best or the things that I'm fascinated by the most are things that I don't, don't feel I fully understand. Because mm-hmm. as soon as you get to a place where, oh, you, you understand it, you domesticate it. Right. It's just it's something you know, and it's something that's coherent in your... And you can then invade it and know it and exchange parts of it, and, and, and it's completely a comfortable thing. But when you've got a, a part of it that is not knowable... I mean, this is Lovecraft or other things. Uh, uh, then you start to become excited, I find. I become, like, it, then you're starting to become lucid, which is a different thing than becoming, you know, then 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 comprehending the thing in front of you. So that's sort of, yeah, that's sort of where, 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 where it's deliberate to not know. Yeah, And yeah. I appreciate that a lot about the stuff. I remember reading Cash Town Corners with just, like, the book in my hand and then one hand over my mouth, like... <laughs> Wait, what? Wait, <laughs> what? It was so great. It should, it should be that way, though. Right? I mean, because I, you, you know, taking it to a kind of like uh, more, uh, you know, 
commonly experienced level, I said, wait, what, about 14 times in front of the TV today. Oh, what were you watching? Donald Trump on Um, long... That'll do it. What? (laughs) Wait. What? And and watching people scramble to understand something that's completely, you know, uh, uh, a block of, of of nonsense that's not oh not gosh, yeah. anyway. But that that's a that's an obvious thing. So, I studied literature in college, and I was like, I got this. I'm gonna read this book. It's I read like the first paragraph of Cashtown Corners, and I'm like, shit, this guy might be too smart for me. But anyway, uh- <laughs> I really really loved it. And by the end of it was just walking around my house like, do I really know anything about the people around me? What is going on with the people I see at Walmart at like, you know, 11 p.m. or whatever? Well, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Because I no, live in uh, a small town. Yeah, so do I. And, and, and uh, you know, it, it, with Cash Town, it's, all, it's also a, a sort of a thing where... It's not just the people. Do I know the people who I do? I who know I myself exactly, mm-hmm. and then it, it, because there's a different set of animals sort of crawling up the back stairs that are yeah. me, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Freaky. Yeah. yeah. Just to clarify, I don't think I'm going to go Cash Town Corners on anybody, but I work. Cash Town Corners is is five minutes down the road from here. Yeah, that's crazy. Now, what? Did, I, mean, I do all of the all of the books are set in uh, uh, local areas, right? They're yeah. set around here. Pontypool is a is a town about uh, sixty kilometers that way. Yeah, I remember Googling it when I first read the book because, like, is this a real place? And it was, and so is Cashtown. Yeah, you could see it on Google Maps. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, so Cashtown Corners is being made into a movie, and so is the end body problem, right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, are they in production right now, or? Uh, uh, Cash Town. I just uh, uh, I, I'm doing the uh, the screenplay, and I just sent the screenplay in today. Awesome. What's it What's it like adapting your own novel into a screenplay? Like, how do you decide? It's a funny thing because Pontypool was a totally different thing because uh, there was no way to adapt the book, mm-hmm. and I gave up on that like within about ten minutes. Right. And, and, and so uh, uh, there was no question of that. But uh, I got smarter as I went along. And so actually, Enbody and uh, Cash Town and Idaho, too, are uh, they're really just 200-page long treatments. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sort of, so I've got, I've got it half done for me when I do it. Yeah. And so I used Cash Town, the novel, as a kind of a treatment for the screenplay. And it worked out. I think it worked out very well. Uh, the the director's happy, and so we'll see where it goes. Uh, he's a great guy. Tyson Carlson uh, is his name. He's from North Bay, which is uh, north of here. And, and I, I like to go with uh, uh, directors who uh, not necessarily, you know, the most sort of. I like to go with passionate, independent people who are kind of DIY and. Uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, enthusiastic and uh, you know, full of love for the project and, yeah. and want you know, and that that to me and and also a, you know a sensibility that I look for and right. he he's got it all. He's great. He's fantastic. I'm so excited he's, to see how it turns out as a film. He's a rebel. He's going to make a picture that's unlike any other, and that's that's what I'm I look look for and hope for. You know. Yeah. So, did you find that you had to cut anything out, or because of the length of Cash Town, no, not was... really. I mean, not really. In Cash Town, I moved a couple of things around uh, just because it's about structure, really, and about the kind of shape of the thing. And, you know, oh, oh, shit, I can't go out here now. I have to keep it here. And so I'm going to have to change the scene and transport it. And, uh, you know, so it's it's that just the kind of logic of filming, which is something, it's nice, because I didn't know how to write a screenplay. And I, I really still don't. I kind of had to learn it on my own. Or, or or write a book, anything. And when uh, when uh, the, when I wrote when I got hired by Bruce to write Pontypool, I had no idea how to write a screenplay. I was just like, well, yeah, I was just like this crazy guy in this little room in the in the sort of rundown part of Toronto who was writing these insane little stories, and uh, I had no idea how people. I had no idea, and so, but I said yes. 
because I think that, that should be a rule. You should always say yes. Yeah. And uh, uh, so he optioned it at the launch wow. of the book. Wow. That's yeah. so great. It was so great. He comes because he's a bit of a, a kind of a, a, a folk hero in, in Canada. Yeah. Bruce Donald, right? <laughs> and so he's got the cowboy hat and that kind of the little silver tooth and that Cheshire grin, right? And he just he, he's a folk hero. And, yeah, he's a slippery trickster and, uh, you know, a bit of a gangster himself. And <clears throat> so he shows up and he, and he sits down at the launch and he, uh, he's, he puts a kinder egg on the table. And he goes, I want you to write, write the screenplay and here's the option. A kinder egg? Do you like kinder eggs or were you no! like... No! Oh, well, so did took, you hold it anyway. out? Yeah, I took it anyway. I got... I think anyway, and so yeah. But anyway, so learning how to write something, yeah, learning how how things are done is an interesting process. I I I, I, uh, I, I you know I, that was twenty twenty odd years ago. Wow, I that's guess. yeah, crazy to think about. Yeah, you know, no, no, the film was made about eight years ago. Right, but the yeah. original, yeah, it was twenty. Yeah, twenty years ago. <laughs> uh, so, uh, and since then, have I did a kind of uh, a tour of duty in a bunch of grindhouse films that you've mentioned, right? Mm-hmm. The uh, act and whatever, uh, Septic Man. These hilarious, yeah. sort of, like really micro budget things, which How did turned you get up into those, dude. You know what? I'm telling you right now, it was it was the same kind of opportunism, right? Like I'm just sitting, I'm sitting around my house when we first moved up here from Toronto. Mm-hmm. My whole thing was I don't want to go crazy, right. and so I I, uh, I started doing local musical theater. That's kind of what I'm doing right now. <laughs> uh, you know what? I was Curly in Oklahoma. Cool. I I was Guy Masterson in Guys and Dolls. Love Guys and Dolls. I'm telling you, I was lucky, and, and I did all the and shootless and the uh, funny thing comes the way of the world. And so, like the mayor was recognizes me when I walk into the food land, you know. So just like it was this weird thing. So just learning how to do things, yeah, you know, because they're nearby. I mean, that was kind of like that's, that's my thing. And so uh, uh, the next town over in Collingwood, there's these guys, and they, they make all they make these. Uh, you know, uh, really kind of B-grade grindhouse right. splatter fix, right? For, like, nothing. Like, the budgets are... <laughs> and they churn them out. Mm-hmm. And so then we kind of, like, rubbed up against each other because, oddly enough, me and, and one of the directors were jurists on a short film festival at the Meaford wow. uh, Film Festival, which Meaford's got a population of, like, a thousand... And it's an apple orchard, really. Cool. And so anyway, we were kind of rubbing shoulders, laughing, had little flasks out, and we were, you know, joking around. And then we got to know each other. And so uh, the, the next thing you know, they're sort of, we're bumping on each, uh, on each other's doors and saying, you know, I got I got a few months. What are you doing? Well, we got to make a film. So you're a writer, so we'll write it. And so then we just started uh, connecting this way, right? And so they had a, they had a very, you know, they had a very good uh, deal going where they had to produce a couple of films a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had to produce ten, I think, entirely, wow. and so then I was just kind of churning them out, and we were we were doing this thing where I would end up like writing them a couple of three weeks before shooting, which and you know I'm not making any money really on them, uh, and but that doesn't matter. But I I was like thinking, you know, this is a, this is an insane kind of education, and I there, I would be a fool not to do this, and I enjoyed it. We made like five or six films together and oh yeah and and, uh you know they're you know they're exposed to being not liked because of the way that they're made which is you know we used actor we use sometimes we used actors that we pulled in off the street in town sometimes use this we use that and, and you know local people but good crews professional attitudes like and these guys are like sharp and 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 a market because it was it was for Anchor Bay, so it was a market, and you know they 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 sold around. So it was a very lucky opportunity for me, and uh, a chance to sort of like really, you know, learn how to how to uh, write trash in, at, at a in a passionate way. In, yeah. in, you know, 
with, with, with my hand pounding. And uh, uh, to me, that was like a great, great opportunity. And, uh, you know, can't say enough about that. But a film like Septic Man, which was actually, uh, I think it was The Guardian or something, came out uh, last year with the 35 worst films of all time. Okay. Septic Man was number 17. Wow. One of my <laughs> glorious... So, I, I was so thrilled. Any publicity is good publicity, right? No, 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 no. That is good publicity. Yeah. I'm a passionate, passionate follower of terrible films. Like, I always have been. And uh, understand them in a different way than, than you know, the I movie mean, public. There's typical. nothing yeah. better than a terrible horror movie. I... Oh. Oh my god! Oh, yeah. it's so passionate, passionate about it, and because uh, I think like I think films like Amazon Jail that was made in in Colombia is like the natural, the natural uh, and you know uh, uh, <coughs> the natural Buñuel. It's a beautiful surrealistic masterpiece, and uh, but but uh, you know but it's also the production values of the acting however anybody calls it is you know yeah. through the floor i'm really really passionate about this movie called the poltergeist of borley forest that i found but, in a grocery store yeah. it was filmed yeah. like a dslr discovered it's the finding it in the corner in the back of the thing and you're the person right. that puts it on and you're the person that watches it and you're the person that that draws this oh, experience yeah. out of it yeah 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 so no, beloved, that's you know DVD Dude. that I found in a grocery store in rural North Carolina. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mine is uh, a film called Blue Flame. Blue Flame. What genre is that? Is it like a... It's kind of a sci-fi metaphysical... Uh, chamber piece. All right. <laughs> you know, you got to look it up. It was okay. made in Toronto, actually. Uh, and it's 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 four people who are moving through dimensions, but really it's just they show up in different places throughout the city that that they kind of match seen it, and uh, at the same time there's like a psychological CIA metaphysical mm. CIA coming at them from different parallel. Uh, you know, realms or whatever. They just, it's, fanta it's fantastic. Yeah, another really one, another one that, that you should watch is Science Crazed. Science Crazed. Okay. Another Science sci-fi movie? Yes. Science Crazed was recently re-released by, God, I'm not going to remember the name of them. But I'm, I'm actually, I'm on the, the, the re-release DVD. They interviewed me about it. Uh, because I was, it, 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 it's mentioned in the original uh, Pineapple Changes Everything, the book. And I didn't think anyone would know what I was talking about when I talked about it. it, it uh, there's a, a scene in the the book where uh, at a at a uh, in a uh, psychiatric ward, mm -hmm. uh, the the, uh, the patients are putting on movies and they put on Science Crazed and Phantasm and all these other yeah. sort. Of, yeah, uh, well, yeah, and uh, Science Crazed. Well, look for it. Okay. Look for it. Not, I can't even describe it. It's indescribable. You know, Pontypool's not on Netflix US anymore. I've been trying to... I heard to... that. I what, heard that. What is happening to this country is all I have to say about that. Oh, what? What? Pontypool has never been on Canadian Netflix. You're kidding. No. And Pontypool is not available anywhere in the country on any platform or the DVD in any... It's not, it's not available. And never was. Uh, it was, uh, and that's one of the reasons why we've had to struggle to get a sequel made, is because it it completely. Uh, it was Maple, uh, Maple that uh, were the, the the distributors in Canada, and they dropped it completely. They dropped it, and then they went belly up, and so it, it, that's what happens. And then a film gets shelved, yeah. and it's not, and it's not, you know, and and who ends up getting it after buyouts and buyover or takeover. Right. Well, yeah, because uh, I've been it, telling everybody, it, watch this movie. It, it, yeah, no, you can't find it in in Canada. Can't uh -huh. find it. Anyway. Well, yeah. Well, it is but I was I was thrilled that it it got it got it was on Netflix for so long in in the states and and people were digging it. Oh, it was really highly rated. I yeah. dug it. I forget the name of the guy who played Grant, but I just loved 
him. Oh, Steve McCaddy. Yes, Steve McCaddy. He was. You know what? As we speak, we're about to get breaking news, girlfriend. You want a scoop? I do want the scoop. Absolutely. Steve McCaddy and Lisa Huell, Uh who played Sydney in Pool, are right now, as we speak, in Luxembourg. Filming, uh, uh, directed by Bruce McDonald, and written by myself, a film called Dreamland, oh. which is based on the post-credits sequence oh. that everybody hates. I didn't hate it. I thought well, I mean, everybody argues, yeah. everybody argues about whatever it is. I get I get so much flack for that. I get people like you know jumping at me. And in fact, my my pat answer when people if I'm doing a Q and A or whatever. Yeah. I say, what was that all? You know, what was that that post post credit sequence? What, what was that for? And I, I my 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 answer is uh, that I, I I don't know how to answer that question because it the question fills me with rage. I like it. And I say it in a way that like upsets people and and disarms them. So. Oh well, I'm not doing that right now, but yeah. yeah. I, anyway, it was, so, it was very comics so it, noir for me. I like so it. It's the sneaky is the sneaky sequel to. Um, so cool. I'm so glad that that's getting made. Yeah, we're seeing it right now. And it, it's got uh it's got vampires and uh uh child uh child sex slaves and uh exiled dictators and uh hitmen and uh stand-up All comedians in underground bars and uh yeah. Is yeah, Steve it's, wearing it, like a badass cowboy hat in this one or I'm Yeah. To- yeah, yeah, but yeah, he is. But he's also got this like completely cheesy, weird, like hitman. He plays, and there's also a, he plays two. He gets two roles in him. He's got oh, two parts. Anyway, I don't want to give away too much. Right, right, right. So, it, yeah. when does it come out? Is there an anticipated release date? Well, no, because uh, yeah. it's you know literally we're in the third week of shooting. Oh wow, this is really recent. I remember you sort of mentioning this on Twitter. Uh, yeah, in our I, messages. I, I, yeah. Yeah, and and it was it was funny because we had this kicking around for a long time. The sequels, Pontypool, have been kicking around for a long time. Yeah. In fact, they, the sequels predate the film, <laughs> and uh, uh, they're good. And the, and there's like people that w- want to make them, and there's another people that want to make them. And there was this other film that we had, we had sort of developed with Stephen. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that of all things, I mean, because Bruce goes around with a case full of of scripts, right? Where we go, right. sort of throws them, you as know, one does. as one does. And uh, uh, in Luxembourg, uh, I think it was the Minister of Culture, somebody read it and said, uh, "We'll fund it." Wow, really? Which is so random. Yeah, and that's that's, that's kind of how things get made, right? Which is like what? And then so you know, it ended up being a Canadian. Uh, Luxembourg, Belgium, co-production. So, do you that, have to travel up to Luxembourg to do stuff? No, film? no. I well, no. I uh, you know, I, I'm on, I'm on call. Yeah. And it's just that uh, I got asked that today, actually, by by Lisa. Mm-hmm. Lisa Hewitt. Are you coming out here? Can no. You, trip? you don't want to go to yeah. Luxembourg. No. Well, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm good. I got other things to do. That's true. I forgot about the 11 and 14 year old for a second there, but. Well, yeah. And the cash town thing. I had to finish yeah. that. Is that, yeah. is that filming in Toronto then? Um, well, we're going to, you know, what? we're sort of now getting down to sort of drilling down on how that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I always thought it should be filmed at cash town corners. Well, but then they they took they tore down the old gas station. No, they put a new one in there, and it's fancy and frothy, and there's a, like a little coffee shop behind it and everything, and it's like, ah. so I mean, now you got to find a kind of replica place. But it was it was as written uh, in the book. Okay, so the paperback uh, I have has a photo on the front of it. Is that the actual now. gas station? Oh, okay, it's just a. But all the pictures inside are from yeah. the oh. the gas station. Cool. And well, and, and some of the photos are from. I mean, it, there's a bunch of uh, 
kind of hard references in it mm -hmm. uh, to true crime stuff yes. and, and some of the photographs. And it's, it's, it's the John List murders. Which is that are, just a super interesting true crime thing. If anyone wants to go look that up, it was a trip. Yeah. Yeah, and it's kind of a, it's 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 as much a kind of riff on those murders as how they have been kind of regurgitated and recycled in different films and different kinds of. Uh, it was made into the stepfather. Yeah, so this is a great segue for something I did actually want to ask you. Um, you write really good gore, and by good gore I mean like caught me off guard, which is hard to do. Um, which you might not know by looking at me. What? How did that come about? You just got a knack for good, visceral kind of writing, or were you into true crime, and kind of it went from there? What's the process on writing <laughs> it comes, disgusting it, it, gore? It's, it's, it's a thing that comes... Uh, take my gum out. It's a... Uh, I come by it honestly. Okay. Uh, it, it, uh, when I was uh, about five, my parents used to have to hide my drawings from people, from our housekeeper, because I had thousands of drawings of people being ripped apart. Huh. And uh, uh, they ended up taking me to a psychiatrist when I was like six and said that uh, all he does is draw people being violently destroyed physically over and over and over and over and over again. And he can't sleep. He he's up until five in the morning, crying and afraid that oh he's going to be destroyed bodily, and and that other people are going to be destroyed bodily, and that that that's and then that's inevitably what's going to happen, mm -hmm. which is true, turns out. <laughs> uh, and uh, I then found later on uh, that it. Uh, relaxed me to think about uh, horrible things. Hmm. But it calmed me and uh, that there was a kind of way I could occupy those ideas uh, in a way that was, was serene and beautiful yeah. and, and was resolved somehow. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's kind of, you know, I guess what I'm saying is it's, it's a... Uh, Perversion, but I think it's also. But I believe in perversions, so, so it, it you know it's a perversion that uh, explains things. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I suppose it's better than leaving it unaddressed. I suppose I sympathize. People yeah. often ask me why I like horror because. Well, this is well, that's what I was just going to say to you. I mean, you can't look down on me from such a great height because. Not looking down at all. Because you're a, you're you're a monster yourself. I am, and you know, uh -oh. my father asked me that at Thanksgiving just last night. Why do you like this stuff? And I'm like, I don't really know what to tell you. I just do. It resonates. It makes me feel good. It really well, does. Well, that's you know, I mean, which is slightly worse than being pacified and all the kind of wonderful ways I was describing it. It I'm makes just it seeking it out. Oh, a story I can't tell. Oh my god. Yeah, I can't tell that story. That's okay. Anyway. But yeah, it. Um, I guess in a way it does help to, in considering humanity's greatest problems, it's like, oh, but, you know, could be a werewolf, I guess. There, It's an explanation of sorts. It sorts it out in a way. Well, it kind of does, but then, but then, if it does, and if it does, and this goes back to the, you know, letting it be incomprehensible and letting it be something you can't contain and know, right? Uh, that that's that that part is important. That it's not just a kind of explanation for what we know, right? You know, it's not a kind of it does. It's not owned by our experiences. It it's owned somewhere else by something else. And so, I mean, and, and that's a kind of thing that I think that people, under, people understand uh, intuitively or they just don't. Mm -hmm. You're one of us or you're not. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah, yeah. It's a good I club so. to be in. Like, yeah, not bad. I'm fine of it anyway. Um, so in your novels, and I've read a few of them, you seem to have a fondness for first-person perspective, which 
I think is really challenging to write and sometimes challenging to read. Has it always been that way? No, no, no. In fact, uh, uh, my first uh, book, mm -hmm. which was a bunch of short stories, which is really, I call it juvenilia, but I think I was 34. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I was doing third person and this and that and past and all these other kinds of tenses and stuff and and trying to ex experimenting with those those sorts of constructions and then I realized that the only the only thing there is if I want to make this uh, the most possible mm -hmm. voice uh, it has to be as immediate as possible and it has to be now and it has to be me Whoever whoever is the thing, and and then it's and, it, and you're right. It has to break the pace of reading, mm -hmm. so that it doesn't you know give you a couch to sit on to read the book, to you know to to recognize uh, the voice, to recognize you know uh, using cliche, which is which once you back up from that, it's all cliches. And so, uh, yeah, that to me was, once I sort of got onto that, then that to me is the only thing there is, mm -hmm. is uh, first-person voice, <laughs> first-person, uh, you know, present tense. It, it has to be happening, and it has to be happening to us. Yeah. And, and that, that has sort of evolved into a number of things for me personally, which is, and I, I, I sort of beat this like a dead horse for me, but... Which is the phatic, the phatic uh, character of that voice, which is to say that I'm here, you know, and 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 how powerful that is, and how maybe that is all there is in in you know a communication is to yeah. say that I'm here, uh, uh, and not to say that I am someone else and I once did this, but to say that I'm here now, and and so are you, right. and that's that's the, the 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 you know that's the sharpest and cleanest and you know, most valuable thing that we say to each other ever. Mm -hmm. It certainly made it that much more unsettling for me reading The End Body Problem and Cash Town Corners, where if you get really into it, you're like, wait a second, am I? And you sort of have to pull back for a second from yes. the, the experience of being in the novel. And it's just, it works. Hot damn, does it work? <laughs> well, my, my edit, the editor of The End Body Problem... Uh-huh. Uh, she uh, uh, disappeared for like uh, nine or ten days after she started and she said she had to sit in bed and drink <laughs> I did that after cash after cash town except I had a Budweiser in the bathtub and just kind of thought about life yeah <laughs> like, well no, I'm, that to me is a very flattering thing <laughs> I'm like I need I need to detox from that ride because i read it all in one yeah. sitting i couldn't stop well it's supposed to be done that that that's yeah. i mean that that's it not only is it supposed to be that's why i've sort of shortened the size of the books is not only is it supposed to be read first person present and all of that all of that mm -hmm. uh, but it's supposed to be read real time in the time that you read it which is one sitting yeah so that you don't you know you don't put it down and go off and you come back the next day or whatever it's it's all one singular experience and it's a kind of extension of an aristotelian unity right? mm -hmm. not only does it take place in one place one time one voice whatever but also in one experience right also yeah. one reason yeah 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 and in cash town there was it, uniting the different voices that the protagonist had was really jarring to do as well and i had to question myself when i kind of wanted things to work out for him toward the end i'm like i'm feeling sympathy for this character and i don't know what that makes me or how that makes me well feel. no I, well yes but i mean and that's the sort of yeah the kind of the the naive bliss that it's it's trying to cultivate between right. you know the reader and, and the and the experience right which is a uh, an, an innocence right yeah undeniable and and also uh, horrifying and, and abject and, uh, you know, hopeless. It's quite a juxtaposition between even a couple pages before and then suddenly you're thinking, yeah. oh, well... Ugh, We're going to be okay. <laughs> right! This is going to be fun! 
no, never mind. It's it's just not. No, it's not going to be okay. Like... Nothing's okay. <laughs> but I am okay now. So there you go. Yeah. You know. Lovely. Um, let me see. What was my other? So do you think you have a sort of signature touch running through your work? Something that you would consider like your thing? Or that you endeavor to put into everything you write? Or do you just kind of see where I do... it takes you? I kind of do the same thing over and over again. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, no, it's not even that. It's like a... Uh, I, I, you know, it's always... I always sit down. I just did that yesterday. I sat down. I've got to write this story. And I sat down with it and I thought, well, okay, so how do you... How do you, and how do you write? How do I write? I, I, you know, I don't... Uh, I don't really know. I mean, I know how I've written, but I don't know how I do it now. Mm-hmm. And 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 what you know? Do I start with a how do you do and the sky is blue and whatever, whatever. And it uh, it's, it's always to me, it's always kind of stumbling around and and figuring out how how does how does anybody say anything. And uh, to me, it's always very quickly becomes about deteriorating the thrill of deteriorating. Uh, and the inevitability of it, and facing it, and uh, and excitement in st- in the face of, and uh, all kinds of different, you know, whatever. Uh, uh, and, and it translates typically into the same. I don't want to call them themes, but the same kind of moments. Yeah. Uh, and and the fact that they're horrific or or violent or spinning out of control. Is uh, it's been that way since I was thirty six months old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's been a long time, huh? It's been a long time, and so and so, like to say that as opposed to you know a bunch of other propositions, which I, I understand that, and and that you know, and uh, uh, but it's not that way, and 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 it's native to my imagination, it's native to my personality, so. Mm-hmm. You know, and like I said, I come by it honestly. That's I take it as direct, a uh, a direct as direct an apprehension of it as I can. Yeah. Are you trying to make your readers feel a particular thing, or are you more interested in just? I want no, no. I want them really. What I want them is to feel joy. Well, I don't uh, think uh, you can fault you for that. It's a great goal. <laughs> An unconventional methodology for it, but a yeah, good goal. Just uh, uh, bliss. Cool. Yeah. Well, I was certainly happy after I read it. Love it. But I'm a, a monster, as you said, right? Well, you know what? This is funny because at the end body problem, which a fellow named Kirei Piputz is uh, directing, terrific director, mm-hmm. uh, and a great a great guy, and I'm thrilled he's doing it, and he's writing it. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, which is to me was great. Like, uh, just I want to s- s- please do, and and so he's done that, and he stuck a lot closer to the novel than maybe I would have. But then again, like I said, it was sort of a treatment, right? So then, right. It makes sense. But he sent it into a funding body. We've got funding bodies up here in Canada where people typically send screenplays and stuff. And okay. Government and different independent and private funding funding bodies that people in film know about. Uh, <coughs> Uh, and so, but he he sent it in, and he got a report back. Well, they send a report back. A bunch of readers are done, and they sort of recommend or not recommend a thing for, you know, development or production money or whatever. Mm-hmm. So he got a he got a rejection, oh. and a, a a a very simple description of why, because they they have to tell you why. And they said, uh, this is the most repellent script we have ever read. High praise, and he, we both, we we had a, we we bought a bottle of scotch and we sat down and enjoyed that and and said, you know, success. Yeah, yeah. The end body problem is a book I wouldn't want my mother to catch me reading over <laughs> her to loom no. over my shoulder and see what I'm doing. I'm sure she's already horrified <laughs> enough by. Well, I have, I, I do, I have, I have kind of have issues with that as well. I mean, I don't like because I I don't guard myself against it in the writing, obviously. Yeah, but. Uh, and then when somebody uh, says, "Oh, I'm, I, what book of yours should I read?" Uh, typically, I, I I say I don't think you should. Oh. Well, how 
which is how are you going to make any money, Tony? Somebody else has got to <laughs> somebody else has got to sell them because I'm not. You know, there, there's a, 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 a paragraph in, I don't know if you're, I think I recommended this to you when we were uh, corresponding earlier, the, uh, the, uh, the Maldoror the by uh, Louis Tremont. Yes, the French surrealist stuff. Yeah. Uh, and it, there's the opening paragraph of something I, for probably 35 years or more or whatever, have tried to sort of live up to that moment. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, in that first paragraph, he uh, he recommends the reader put the book down, and uh, and be, because he says that by having not not that you shouldn't read it, right, but that by being in the proximity of the book, the physical proximity of the book, by holding it, by opening it, that you have you know uh, scorched and poisoned parts of yourself that you won't ever be able to recover just by having the book in the room with you in the in your hands huh. and, and he does this terrific gorgeous passage about uh birds uh, uh albatross uh head or storks i can't remember what they were heading off and uh towards something in in the sky and uh one of their beaks is broken by a cloud and it it falls down it falls down and they all follow it in this great you know you know, a curl of curl of birds toward the earth with this beakless leader, yeah. <laughs> and, and that that cloud that it broke it's, is the book, right? And so, mm-hmm. To me, that's a that's sort of always a, been a a bell in my head. Of, you know. I feel like I've said similar things to people who have said, "Should I read Bukowski?" <laughs> yeah, that's probably but, true. Probably true. Yeah. Yeah. Or Bataille, some Bataille. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um. Hey, listen, darling, I got to go soon. Sure. Okay. One last thing before I let you leave, because I think the podcasters want to know, you've already recommended some movies, but what horror novel, not your own, do you think people should pick up? Or novel in general. doesn't have to be horror. That's always a tough one for me, because I know. I, 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 it's always kind of like, what's my current one, or what's my all time? Mm-hmm. Well, how about you can name as many as you want. It's my show. I get to do whatever. Uh, I'm rereading uh, a coma by Giotat, who's a, a late surrealist, and okay. it's just a harrowing, disorienting, beautiful book. All right, coma it's called. Yeah. Great. Well, you heard that, everybody, and I'll put it on the recap. Well, thank you so much, Tony, for talking with me today. I really appreciate it. I had a lot of fun. Peace. You know, have a good night and good luck with all the filming. We'll have everything up on our recap so that people can follow along with the project. Groovy. All right. Have a great night. Ciao. Bye-bye. Until next time, everybody.